Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ET Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Evan Thomas. Today, we're kind of doing a catch-up episode. Um, over the last week, there was an opportunity to do an episode on Tuesday that didn't work out. Thursday, that didn't work out. Friday, that didn't work out. You know, early Saturday, I knew it wasn't going to happen. So I, I tweeted, or I didn't tweet, but I, I created a thread picking my games, I always pick my games, um, just so I have the proof out there, you know, so I'm not going back and saying, oh, look, I picked this totally, um, so I, you know, I make sure everything's out to, to let you, to let you know when I do score predictions, they are out there, uh, what's gonna happen, and then, so we're doing the episode now, uh, we're actually doing it for this next upcoming week, Sunday episodes are rare, they're not gonna be a common thing, but nevertheless, here we go. A lot to talk about today. We have the MSU Washington and MSU Maryland review. Um, we have Lions Seahawks and Lions Falcons to review. That game just ended. Um, and then we also are going to be picking scores for MSU Iowa coming up next Saturday. Um, M- uh, Lions Packers coming up on Thursday night. And then we're going to be talking about the XFL and the USFL in their merger talks. Um, what teams are at risk of, you know, not coming back for a 2024 season, and kind of what that means for the podcast because you know we cover both of those leagues. Um, at least the plan was to cover both of those leagues. But if they're going to be combined, what is that going to look like going forward? A little bit of hypothetical going on in there. So we'll talk about that once we get around to that uh, subject. Um, but yeah, we're going to start off with MSU football, talk about the Lions, and then the XFL there at the end. So thanks for tuning in. Stick around. Let's go. We're catching up on what happened over the last two weeks in football here in the state of Michigan. All right. So to start off uh, the episode today, we're talking about Spartan football. On Saturday, September 16th, they got bodied by the number eight Washington Huskies, who took them down 41 to seven. What exactly happened there? Uh, our game leaders uh, for Sparty, of course, we always start with our crowd. At least we should. Uh, now Kim, 12 for 31 passing, 136 yards and an interception. Not much going on there. Rushing. Uh, Nathan Carter, 17 carries, 48 yards. Good back, but couldn't get anything going. And then receiving yards, Christian Fitzpatrick, uh, only one reception with 61 yards um, as the reception leader for Sparty. Over on the Husky side of the ball, uh, Michael Penix Jr., 27 for 35, 473 passing yards, four touchdowns. Um, Yeah, on the rushing side, Typo Rogers, 15 carries, 74 yards. And receiving Rome, oh, what's his name? Abnunez? Abnunez? I don't even know how to say that. Sorry about that, Rome. Um, but eight receptions, 180 yards uh, on the day. Yeah, uh, did not look good for Michigan State. Um, I watched this game on television. I wasn't at this one. I know I'm going to go most of the home games here for Michigan State, but I wasn't able to actually catch this one. I was out of town. 
Um, but watching it on television was no better. Uh, it just seemed like Washington always had the ball and they were always in the end zone, and that's kind of how it went down. Um, uh, so, you know, break down the team stats. Um, Sparty, 261 total yards, 208 passing, 53 rushing yards, 4.2 yards per play on average. Just You can't win a football game with that. Uh, 15 first downs total for Spartans. Um, third On third down, they went 6 for 16. One fourth down attempt that was no good. 62 plays, 8 punts, 11 penalties totaling 83 yards. Um, one interception. They held the ball for 24 minutes and... Uh, 28 seconds, but it, it didn't feel like that. You know, felt like they held the ball for five minutes the whole game. It was not very good. Um, Washington, on the, other, on the other hand, 713 total yards, 536 passing, 177 on rushing game, 9.9 yards per play. That's basically a first down every single play. 29 first downs total in the game, three of 10 on third down. So not very good, but you know, at this point, what are we what are we talking about? Trying to get digs here for third down efficiency. Uh, one for two on fourth down. Uh, Seventy-two total plays, two punts, only two punts, I should say. Um, Eleven penalties at 110 yards. No fumbles lost. Uh, one interception as well, and uh, held the ball for 35 minutes, 32 seconds. Um, I mean, if you want, you know, a player breakdown. Um, the only score. Coming from um, Kaiten Hauser on a run for four yards, one touchdown. That was it. Um, not a lot going on for Sparty. Just completely destroyed. You know, um, we had him picked to lose. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? Uh, Spartans and Huskies. We had Spartans losing 31 to 40, 45 to 31. Um, ended up being 41 to seven. So the offense totally non-existent there. Um, that did advance the win streak in terms of games picked, um, six to two. At that point, I had a, a two streak, picking at seventy-five percent. Um, of course, we're going to talk about later. It didn't hold up uh, through the weekend. My pick streak, but um, at the time the game was played, I was picking at seventy-five percent. Picked the Spartans to lose. Spartans lost, but it was just not. It wasn't even a game to watch, really. I mean, it it was a, it was kind of a joke. But um, it shows goes to show you, you know, how good, um, you know, the Huskies are, how bad the Spartans are, especially without their head coach. Not that I want them, but it just goes to show you. I mean, the team kind of got demoralized after that, you know. Like, what do you do? Um, as a team, it just has a different kind of effect. So, um, not looking good uh, there. But then, you know, you go ahead, you play the homecoming games coming up next week. Okay, against a slightly worse team, you know, uh, Maryland Terps. Um, of course, you are playing against um, uh, Tua, Tua Jr., I guess you could say. Um, um, Tugavailoa from, uh, his, his brother plays for the Dolphins. You know him. Um, so the younger brother plays for the for Maryland. And so Sparty went up against him, also got bodied. This one, yesterday's game, 31-9. to um, Spartans got, I guess, an additional field goal, which was kind of cool. Um there is there is a, there's another story here in the score that's not being told and that's that the Spartans had opportunities um, but Spartan receivers weren't catching the ball and the line wasn't doing a great job at getting anything else going 
um, helping establish a run game. So, I mean, there were the team overall played better, but there were just errors and issues and mistakes. Um, not having a good coaching staff. Um, we know the assistant coaches for MSU are not that good. Period. And now you know, without a little, without direction, I mean, they're just kind of crumbling underneath themselves. Uh, Thirty-one to nine. Um, so let's talk about it. Noah Kim uh, eventually gets pulled in this game. Uh, he went 18 for 33, 190 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, all passing. Rushing uh, rushing leaders, uh, Nathan Carter again, 19 carries, 97 yards. Looked better, short of, of course, the markers that you want to hit. Um, and then uh, Montier Foster, or Monterey Foster, six receptions, uh, 67 yards. He dropped a couple. Um, in this game, that was just you got to have those. You know, um, it could have been a much closer game um, if they polish up some of that stuff. But we'll talk about we'll talk about what it's going to mean uh, here coming up uh, in a minute. Um, anyway, Tua, uh, twenty-one for thirty-six, two hundred twenty-three yards in the air, three touchdowns, one interception. He played very good. Um, some mistakes, but still, he he's played a really solid game, almost a perfect game as far as a quarterback is concerned. Um, Colby McDonald uh, rushing for the Terps, five carries, uh, 38 yards. Not much of a rushing game going on. Uh, Sparty did play good uh, in the trenches on defense, but that was one of the few things to compliment their performance on. Um, Ty Felton uh, in receiving yards, three receptions for 67 total yards. Let's, let's, uh, let's get the team stats going. What do we got? Um, looked fairly even in terms of total yards. Um, you can't, ref- you know, you can't see that in the score. But here, here's where you can kind of get a hint of the other story. Um, so total yards, Sparty, 376, 274 of those came from passing. So that's above the passing yards that you want. I mean, the goal is 250 passing yards. I mean, I'm setting right. So the personal goal that I'm looking for in any team, 250 passing yards. They had 274. That's really good. Um, 102 rushing yards. You'd think with 274 passing and 100 rushing yards, you could win the game, uh, but they couldn't. Again, that rushing yard goal, 250. So slightly under that. Yards per play for Sparty, 4.9. Um, you want to get over five if you can, um, just so you you know don't need to take too many points. But 4.9 is okay. Um, let's talk about. Um, Maryland for a little bit. So total yards for Maryland, um, 362. So very close to that 376. Again, like these total yards, total yards is pretty similar. In terms of passing yards, um, Maryland had 223 passing yards, 139 rushing yards. Again, like those are pretty good numbers right there. Uh, 5.4 yards per play on average. You're going to see there's that yards per play um, getting up over that 5 yards per play. Let's talk about the downwind stats we have uh, for Sparty. 27 first downs, 5 of 13 on third down, 4 of 5 on fourth down. Um, Really good fourth down percentage there for Michigan State. Uh, Total plays, 76, 2 punts, 6 penalties totaling 70 yards, 2 fumbles lost, which is a big reason that they lost this game, and 3 interceptions, another ginormous reason that Sparty did not pull it off. Um, 5 turnovers. You know, really dictates the game. Time of possession, 31 minutes, 30 seconds. So that's, you know, a lot of time of possession to not come up with a lot of points because of those turnovers. Um, of course, Noah Kim throws a pick six, not a pick six, but an interception on his very first drive um, of the game. And it was just, it was a little bit demoralizing to see that happen. Um, anyway, back to Maryland. Uh, 18 first downs in the game, 6 of 15 on third down. 
a two for two on fourth down, uh, 67 total plays, three punts, four penalties totaling 50 yards, no fumbles, one only one interception, and then they held the ball for 28 minutes, 30 seconds. So once you kind of dig into the stats a little bit, you see a lot closer game, a game that uh, Michigan State might have won if they didn't give so many turnovers or turnovers away. There was a couple also incomplete passes um, that just would have made huge game changers, you know, in the end zone um, or close to it uh, that, you know, they just couldn't, receivers just couldn't turn up with the ball. And, you know, that's going to cost them a game. So they went on to lose that one 31 to 9. Uh, in terms of the game prediction there, we predicted a 35-28 loss. Um, it ended up being a 31-9 loss. That it, um, so that went in the win column in terms of my picking the games. Um, so that was a 7-3 seven, seven and three pick after that point. Um, that started the current streak right now. We are a, we are a one-game streak um, going into uh, this weekend. right? So now, um, at that point, I was sitting at 7-3 picking at 70% with a one-game streak. Um, so last thing we're going to talk about is what's going to happen now, right? So um, Sparty wins two. Expect They're expected to win the first two games. They do, and they do it uh, fairly dominantly. Um, head coach gets fired. His fault. He should have been gone. Okay. Um, now the team's kind of in a grind. They play the number eighth overall team get destroyed they play a really good maryland team this is a really good maryland team the game is close statistically but score wise they couldn't do it they couldn't put points up on the board which is a little bit important <laughs> in uh, sports um so they kind of they failed there um so what happens now how are they going to do against iowa this is a good question actually um iowa i checked their their game stats um, I kind of have to when I'm doing the picking. I do a little bit of research to try and see what are we looking at. You know, what are we looking at for these, for these games coming up? We got Spartans at Hawkeyes, so it's in Iowa, Week Five. What happened last week? Last week, the 24th ranked Iowa loses to Penn State, who I think was ranked. They're ranked really high though. They're ranked like um, six or something. Um, They were ranked seventh. Yeah. Okay. So no. So Penn State seventh, Iowa twenty fourth. They didn't put put up any points on the board. They lost thirty one to zero. Um, that's really bad. Uh, there's potential there that this defense, you know, is rattled. They're they might not be that good. Um, you know, playing against you know Big Ten teams, which gives Sparty a chance. You know, if they can come out there and and kind of rally a little bit they might be able to produce a better football game. Um, the offense, they didn't do anything against Penn State. Now, Penn State's, of course, great program. not saying MSU's anywhere near that level. What I am saying is there's an opportunity here for the Spartans to steal a win um, against the Hawkeyes. Now, I have a, a metric, right? I have a little system that I try to do to um, give me a general idea of how the game is going to go. Um, it helps me with my predictions. I rely on it fairly heavily, um, especially on the score aspect. This this equation, you could call it, actually puts MSU as the favorite. 
and I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and it's a close one. It's a close favorite um, according to this system. Now, I don't totally take what the what the system says as gospel. I don't. Um, I try to because it, it's missing some nuances that's kind of hard to calculate, like where the game is being played, um, the the energy, um, you know that you know having no coach. I mean, these are things like I can't really put in this calculation, right? So um, I'm kind of unsure. It could be the case that the Hawkeyes are looking for a bounce back win and they're going to come out firing. Could be the case that the Hawkeyes feel demoralized and they you know can't seem to produce or their problems get worse. Um, in terms of the Spartans, we're at the lowest point I think this program has been since Mel Tucker took over, and this is still Mel Tucker's team, regardless of what we say about it, right? Um, like I hate to put hate to say that because um, the university is going to try and like move as far away as they can from this guy, and I totally respect that. I think they should, um, you know, get this guy out of people's minds as best we can. Um, the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to bring in somebody somebody crazy um in, go in a good way bring in somebody who um you know kind of totally overshadows uh this previous head coach uh, but that's going to be a conversation for the off season for sure so what's going to happen now in terms of this um spartans at hawkeyes i'm going to take the hawkeyes knowing full well that my system says i should take the spartans but I think this is the lowest point Spartan football has been at in a long time. I don't think the Hawkeyes are as bad as they played against Penn State. I think that was kind of a unique scenario. Um, you know, they have had one bad game. Spartans have had two back-to-back. -back. Granted, those were good teams, but the Hawkeyes are a good team too. You know, they're, they're, they should be better than Maryland. So that's what I'm saying. I'm going to pick the Hawkeyes 21-14 to to win this. I think even if Sparty cleans up his act a little bit, you know, receivers catch the ball this time, turnovers go down. I, I'm not going to say they're totally going to win this one, but I think they're going to, they have the potential to make it close. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, but overall, I'm going to take Hawkeyes over Spartans 21 to 14 in week five of this college football season. Um, and I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to pick, if Sparty can beat the Hawkeyes, maybe I'll pick Sparty to win another game this season um because that would be that would be insane but i'm not sure msu is going to win another football game i'm being honest i don't know um i tell you what when i was when i was at the game i don't know i didn't really want to stay i do stay i always stay for the whole games but i wasn't happy <laughs> as a fan sitting there watching us um, not be able to put points on the board against Maryland, who has a really good team, but it just to see it and just experience that, like, nope, there it is, another touchdown, another touchdown, okay. Um, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not confident they're going to win another game this year. If they do, maybe I'll pick them to beat, maybe, you know, um, maybe they win against um, Nebraska down the road. They have a chance to win against a hot Rutgers team um, who just lost to U of M. So, um, you know, hot, Rutgers w was hot. They they lost bad against U of M. They played good in the first half, but that was it. Uh, but everybody plays good against U of M in the first half for some reason, and then that's it. Um, so, you know, let's 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 pay attention to this. I don't think um, 
I'm not confident. Uh, I'm not confident in Sparty's ability um, to beat Iowa right now. I think Iowa's going to have a bounce back game, and um, I'm taking them 21-14. So that's that. Let's get to some Lions news coming up next. All right, we're jumping right in here with the Lions news from week three. No, week two. This is the week two Lions game. We're talking about the Falcons uh, next. That game just ended, so it's a fresh game. Um, but here we have uh, Seattle uh, wins in Detroit in overtime. What happened? Let's talk about this game because this was a heartbreaker. Uh, certainly was. Uh, wasn't at this game either, of course. Um, it's harder to get into Lions games these days uh, with season tickets completely sold out. Um, it's really hard to find uh, tickets to get into these, and they're really expensive. Um, let's talk about it. So I watched this game on TV as well. Um, 37-31, Seahawks win in overtime. Um, just a quick look at the overview. Um, let's see. Uh, passing. Uh, Jared Goff. 30, uh, 28 for 35, 323 yards um, in the air, three touchdowns, one interception, breaking his uh, interceptionless streak. He threw in, he throws another one against the Falcons. We'll talk about that. Um, David Montgomery uh, against the Seahawks, uh, 16 carry, 67 yards, and a touchdown. He goes out of the game injured. Uh, a lot of injuries occur during this game versus Seahawks, which puts some pressure on the Lions in week three but uh, they bounce back from that we'll talk about it when we get there i'm on ross st brown uh reception leader six receptions 102 yards uh for him good game he had a great game 100 yards receiving is what you want as a receiver um that's like a that's like a target goal um so you know that's kind of how that's how the, the stats went uh for the for the seahawks we'll go over here over here we got geno smith um 32 for 41, 328 yards in the air, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, the third out of Michigan State. He got 17 carries, 43 yards, two touchdowns rushing. And then receiving DK Metcalf, of course, he's the number one guy. Six receptions, 75 yards. Um, he played, he was, he didn't play as good a game as um, he should have, in my opinion, a DK Metcalf. Um, considering the amount of points the Seahawks put on the board for him not to have a touchdown is kind of surprising. Um, but of course they have other depth receivers, you know, Tyler Lockett with a touchdown, um, the, his like walk-off touchdown, uh, insane player, Tyler Lockett. I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. Um, uh, in terms of the underrated receivers, he is by far the top of that list. Um, you know, I, I remember him way back, um, just doing amazing stuff, uh, in Seattle. So, um, I, I really like <laughs> really like him. I'd have Tyler Lockett. Anyway, let's talk about the team stats. Um, so for the Lions, okay, 418 yards total, 316 passing yards. That's good. Okay, 250 is the goal. 316. That's that's insane. 102 yards rushing. So a little short of the rushing goal. Um, but Montgomery looked great. Gibbs didn't didn't do a whole lot uh, in this game versus Seattle. Yards per play, 6.5. You know, that's really good. Um, Seattle, 300, 
93 total yards, 311 in the air. Again, can't let that up. 300 passing yards, um, 82 rushing yards. Defense did okay on, on run defense, but um, okay isn't quite good enough. Um, uh, 5.9 yards per play on average. Again, that's that's a big number right there. The 311 passing yards and the 5.9 yards per play are the reason that the Lions lost this game. Let's talk about um, uh, these kind of these deeper stats here uh, for the Lions. 25 first downs, six of 11 on th- on third down, one of three on fourth down. A lot of really strange calls coming in from um, Dan Campbell and the gang during this game. Now I understand that they're ballsy. I I totally get that. But there were certain times where it was like take the points, and they just didn't take the points. And I think you know there's a lot of reasons. That you could say the Lions lost this one, but the two big ones are the defensive scheme and uh, the the play calling in terms of um, when to go for it, when not to go for it, when to take the points, when not to take the points, that kind of thing. So, out coached is basically what I would call this game for the Lions. Out coached. Um, offense was great. They put up 31 points. You know, you can't put up 31 points and. Um, and lose the game if the defense is playing good. You know, that's just kind of how it is. Anyway, back to this. Uh, one of three on fourth down, 64 total plays, two sacks allowed, one punt. One punt the whole game. Uh, four penalties for 24 yards, three turnovers, two fumbles, and an interception. Another huge reason why Lions couldn't pull it out. They lost a turnover battle bad. Time of possession, 30 minutes, 48 seconds. Uh, for the Seahawks. Down the stretch, uh, 28 first downs, 5 of 11 on third down, 1 of 1 on fourth down. A little more conservative with their fourth down. Um, 67 total plays, uh, 1 sack allowed, which came in the fourth quarter. Great, great sack, great stop. But that 1 sack allowed, you know, the Lions supposed to have this great great defense they they didn't really show up you know for this game they just weren't there you know their presence wasn't felt as much Aiden Hutchinson's presence was felt but he, he didn't get the sack um uh Alexander Loney ends up getting that sack uh because Aiden couldn't is basically what it looked like during the play uh three punts um uh, uh nine penalties totaling 80 yards no turnovers uh and then 31 uh 33 31 for their time of possession yeah, so basically, it come, this game came down to Lions offense was hot, but they made a few mistakes with those turnovers. Three turnovers, two fumbles lost, and an interception. Bad. Um, and then the defense couldn't stop them. I mean, Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker shredded this defense. And um, it was kind of hard to watch, honestly, uh, considering these are the guys you know we put forward and the injuries, and it just... It didn't look good um, on the defensive side of the ball. And then David Montgomery getting hurt, too, on the offensive side of the ball. Already, we have offensive line trouble. Um, offensive line uh, not looking as healthy as they should. Uh, so there was things going wrong on the offensive side of the ball, too. But defense couldn't stop them. Um, went to overtime. Seahawks won the toss. And the NFL has probably the worst overtime rules of all the leagues that we follow where it's first touchdown wins, but if it's in overtime, in today's NFL, the overtime means the offenses are hot. You know, it's not the defenses, it's the offenses that are really hot. Um, so, a uh, similar thing happened uh, with 
you know, Bills and Chiefs a couple years ago, you know, uh, same kind of thing. And that conversation started, well, maybe this conversation has to start again about the overtime rules. First touchdown wins is basically a coin flip because offenses are hot. That's why they get, that's why it goes into overtime. Both offenses are slinging it and both defenses can't stop them. So I would like to see a system where both offenses have the chance to hold the ball. Um, similar to either a shootout system like the spring leagues have, or I'm pretty sure the college system is still doing like um, both teams get a chance kind of thing, and they keep going till the defense can make a stop or the field goals. You know, um, you know, field goal might be enough or might not. So I'm just saying I don't, I don't really like the. Um, the system that the NFL has for overtime. And I think a great example of that is what we saw on Sunday on the 17th. Um, so Lions lose. And of course, um, just to, to wrap that, this kind of portion, I did pick the Lions to win this game. Um, hence the loss. This is the week two loss. I picked Lions 21 to 13. They lost 31 to 37. So that's a loss at that time. Um, that was... I picked. I was picking six for three, so it was my third um, incorrect pick. That was a loss. I was. I then lost my streak of two, um, and then my average went down from seventy-five to sixty-six point six percent picking. Now since then, I've gotten two correct. We're about to talk about the second one right now. So we already talked about Spartans Terrapins. Um, I moved to seven and three. Now picking at seventy percent with a with a uh, streak of one, and the Falcons came to Detroit today. They lost. We're going to talk about that right now. Um, so Atlanta comes uh, a lot of potential on this offensive team, led, led by Desmond Ritter. Um, B. John Robinson's on this team. You know, big deal. Um, Falcons. Six Lions twenty, um, but there's little more to that story too. Um, Lions offense played really well in the first half. Did not play really well in the third quarter for some reason. They just got shut down almost entirely in the third quarter. Came back a little bit there in the fourth quarter, kind of stretched that lead a little bit. Let's talk about it. So um, game leaders, of course, uh, passing for the Lions, Jared Goff. 22 of 33, 243 passing yards, one touchdown, and an interception. Uh, he, throws, he throws his second interception of the year in this game, resetting that streak again. If he was going to set one, I uh, got to start all over. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, he's a lead horse now considering um, uh, Monty is out. Uh, Monty out for a long time. Jameer Gibbs. Um, slow first three quarters, not a lot going on. In the fourth quarter, he finally started to pick it up. Um, he started to look like you know the Gibbs that we drafted him to be, instead of just um, you know a back that only gets one or two yards, sometimes five. Um, he got some some two really good carries to get him down to the end zone, set up a Jared Goff rushing touchdown. Um, and then of course first receiving yards, Amonara St. Brown, the leader again, nine receptions, 102 yards. Very similar game he had. Um, uh, to the one against the Seahawks. So very similar here against the Falcons. Another 100-yard receiving game for him. Desmond Ritter, let's talk about it. Uh, 21 for 38, 201 yards passing, um, which is 
a lot better than what it looked like on camera. Uh, rushing yards, B. John Robinson destroyed. Could not do anything against this Lions team. A 10 carries for 33 yards. Just nothing. Nothing going on there. Um, and then Kyle Pitts gets actually the uh, reception leader. Not a lot of passing for um, the Falcons. The 200 yards, granted, you know, that's, that is that is something. But um, five receptions, 41 yards. And he's not even technically um, the lead receiver like he was statistic-wise, but he's not supposed to be. Let's talk about the team stats. Lions. And these are the stats where we can kind of see um, the Lions of dominance right here over this game. Uh, team stats. Lions, 358 total yards, 243 passing, real close to that 250 goal. 115 rushing, real close to that two, uh, 150 goal. Um, well, not not super duper close, but close enough. You know, um, 100, 100 yards rushing. Good stuff. Um, I do want to say about that. That was actually kind of surprising. Uh, Jameer Gibbs really had to step up for this one, and he didn't as much as I wanted him to until that fourth quarter. So um, we saw we saw Knight out there a little bit. We saw Reynolds out there. We saw some guys get some opportunities, but, um, you know, or Raymond, one of them. Um, we didn't see the running game really excel here for either team until the fourth quarter when Jameer Gibbs started to pick it up a little bit. Um, yards per play for Detroit, 5.6. Exactly where you want it to be, over five yards um, to take some advantage there. Let's talk about the Falcons. 183 total yards of offense. 139 passing yards. 44 rushing yards. Yards per play, 208. Like, or 2.8. Like, that's just... That's something else, you know. Um... So, so that's kind of uh, there's con there's a confliction here between um, this says Desmond Ritter had 201 yards passing, but however the team stats say it was only 139 passing yards. I don't know why there would be a distinction there. Um, uh, it could be that uh, this is just not updated correctly. Here, let me. I I don't know I don't know why there's a distinction there. Um, and I want to say the 139 yards, 139 yards, uh, felt a lot more realistic. Um, and it could be that that is, I don't know why, I don't know why those numbers would be different. Um, uh, rushing yards, four, uh, 44 rushing yards and 208, 2.8 yards per play from the Falcons. So you're not a lot of, not a lot of offense. Um, the Lions defense needed to step up to prove the fans, you know, right that this was a good defense. They had a terrible game last week. They come in here, they show up, um, they dominate the Falcons, who have a good team, personnel-wise. Uh, really good for the fans, you know, because we wanted to see something. That was kind of my worry going into this one: is is the defense really that bad, or did the did the Seahawks just have better coaching? Was it a coaching game? Was it a skill issue? Um, and this showed it was a coaching issue. Uh, against the Seahawks. They were just out-coached as a team. So Lions showed up, um, did a lot better. Let's talk about the the rest of the stats here. For the Lions, 18 first downs, 4 for 14, third down efficiency, a fourth down, no attempts on fourth down this time. Total plays, 64 yards, zero sacks allowed, six punts, um, 10 penalties, totaling 119 yards, Real issue with penalties. Now, a couple of those, 
nothing you could do about it. Um, at least one of those on Brian Branch at the end of the game, it didn't even matter. Like Nobody cared uh, that he got a penalty because it wasn't anything he could control. Um, basically, um, uh, B. John Robinson lowered his helmet um, to protect himself from getting hit. Um, and then Brian Branch hit him, but because of the helmet, helmet got lower, it kind of looked like um, it was tech. It was like a technical, technically it's a penalty, but it wasn't a bad play necessarily. 15-yard penalty, whatever. Um, and then Jared Goff, one interception, no fumbles this time, um, but that interception did kind of set up the opportunity for the Falcons to come back in this game, and the Lions stood strong. Um, four downs. It was just it was just amazing. Uh, Lions defense really did a lot better this game. Time of possession for the Lions, 32-57. Uh, back to the Falcons, uh, 16 first downs. Um, same third down efficiency, actually, 4 for 14. One fourth down attempt to no good, like we talked about. A total plays, one one additional play, 65 plays. And get this, here's a number. Seven sacks allowed by the Falcons. Lions defense showed up in every way this game. You know, I don't know how else to say it. I've said it a couple times pretty much in different ways. But seven sacks allowed, one from every individual guys. I don't think anybody got two sacks. We can take a look at the player stats um, real quick. Where's the, where's the, where is it? Oh, here we go. Oh, two sacks for Aiden Hutchinson. Okay, so they gave him they gave him two sacks. Okay, two sacks for Aiden Hutchinson. But everybody else, one sack, one sack, one sack. It's it's just it's wild. Um, seven sacks allowed, six punts, same amount of punts, four penalties, twenty four yards, one fumble lost. Um, that was Aiden Hutchinson. He gets the sack and a fumble recovery, um, and then uh, no interceptions. Uh, twenty seven minutes, three seconds, a time of possession for Atlanta. Um, big win by Detroit. Um, let's talk about it, though, on the prediction. Uh, this was one of those ones where I, I threaded about it because I wasn't, I didn't get the podcast out in time. I picked the Lions to win 28-21. They win it 20-6. Um, that is a second win and a second correct prediction in a row. Uh, so that moves my prediction streak um, to two. My total... Uh, I guess record to eight and three on my picks. That's a seventy-two point seven uh, percent a correct streak or, or correct chance um, of picking. Is at my seventy-two point seven percent of correct picks. Now, um, similar thing with the the prediction, right? So now now we're talking about Lions Packers. We got a short week. Lions has have already have some injuries, you know. Um, what's that going to look like when we're talking about the Packers game? And you know, I do my equation, same equation um, that I always do for these to take a look at it. What does the equation say? Equation favors the Packers by a little bit, um, like it's within three or something like that. It's insane. So I'm like, okay. Um. Man, the way the Lions defense played, the way the offense um, was fairly consistent over the course of the game as compared to how they played against um, 
the Seahawks, with the exception of the third quarter, which was uniquely bad for the Lions uh, lately. Um, I want like it, it's so hard to say to pick against the Lions at this point because I really like them and they bodied the Falcons. Falcons have a good offense, um, and the defense stepped up and played really well. Um, you know the Packers. Uh, just barely pulled it out. Um, come back from behind victory against the Saints today. Um, but because of how the math works out, right, they are favored a little bit, at least when it comes to my stats, the Packers are. So I'm looking at, like, who am I going to pick? Um, am I going to do what my equation says and pick the Packers? Or do I want to, you know, buy into the hype a little bit and say that this is, you know, this is a rivalry game. It's going to be in Lambeau. It's on a short week. Like, these are just factors that play into it, right? So on the positives, we have, you know, uh, Lions are playing really well. Defense played great. Um, offense still pretty hot. Um, some new things that they can do uh, to get even better. But that said, it's going to be in Lambeau. It's going to be a rivalry game. There's injuries. Like, ah, oh, man. I don't know who's going to pick, but here's my thinking right now. And because I'm saying this on the show, definitely follow me on threads if I change it. Okay, um, Evan.Thomas.27 on threads. That's where you'll find out if I change this. But right now, I'm picking Lions 24-21 on the short week in Green Bay. Okay, Lions 24-21. There was a chance I flipped that around. So you got to follow me on threads if you want to see it. Because we won't have an episode about that. Um, but I'll make sure to do it before Thursday. If if I flip it, it'll be before Thursday. Probably I won't. I'm confident in this Lions team. But man, <laughs> it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's right there. You know, it's right there. So... Um, I'm gonna take Lions on this one. That actually, that game comes first, so we're gonna, it's gonna either gonna break my streak or it's gonna set my streak, and then we're gonna have the, the Spartans Hawkeyes game after that, right? So Thursday night, it comes first. Um, we're either gonna move to nine and three on picks, or we're gonna drop to eight and four. You know, like what, what are we doing? I don't know. Um, but it's really exciting. It's really exciting to be uh, picking these. <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm picking right now. I'm picking Lions, pulling Lions 24 21 over the Packers in Lambeau Thursday night football, national television. You'll be watching it. I'll be watching it. You know, let's find out what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, and that's what I have to say about the Lions. Let's jump in now to some XFL merger talks. All right, so um, after a great week uh, for our pickings, uh, this dropped um, earlier this week, but I, I didn't get the chance to talk about it. And, you know, it was either going to be today or it was going to be Tuesday. And by Tuesday, we might have some new information. So um, look out for the next episode, not this coming Tuesday, but the week after. Um, we might have some more information. But as of right now, the XFL and the USFL, so the two spring leagues, that we, we both follow, um, could merge. They're in advanced merger talks, apparently. And there will be 
teams that will not make the cut into this new franchise. Likely, the name um, of the new league, uh, kind of there's some rumors about that too. So let's just get into this. You know, like what, what are we talking about? You know, the XFL and the USFL, spring leagues and the XFL comes first. After the Super Bowl, there's like two weeks and then this season starts. Um, it's the more exciting of the two leagues, I would say, definitely. Um, I like it more personally. However, I've never been to an XFL game because the market's the, it's out of market. So I, I'm not, you know, close to any USFL or sorry XFL um, team. So the one I chose to support was the DC Defenders, about 500 miles ish, you know, from where I'm at um, here in Michigan. And then the other um, team that's also really close, uh, comparatively, is 500 miles in the other direction, and that is St. Louis. Um, Battle Hawks. So, you know, one of the two teams I picked, I picked DC because of my love of politics and DC, of course, being the capital. I've been there, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I thought. So, bam, DC defenders were my team in the XFL. In the USFL, we have the Michigan Panthers. Of course, we're rooting for the Michigan Panthers, you know, it's like the Lions B team, basically. And they didn't do a whole lot last year, but they did make the playoffs. So, that's something. Um, so, you know, here we go. Let, let, these two leagues, uh, both eight teams each, both a North and South division, um, with two different models. So the XFL has a city-based model. The USFL has a hub city model. What that means is the XFL cities play, the XFL teams play in the cities that they are named after. Whereas only half of the USFL teams play in the cities that they're from. So the other half share stadiums with the teams that they're not from. Um, so the home teams last year were the Stallions, the Panthers, and the Showboats had actual stadiums. Um, just three. And then the other teams, the other five teams were were in um, hub cities, so cities that hosted the home games but weren't actually the, the cities that the teams were from. So, um, yeah, this, this, this news, this, this XFL merger, it dropped last week um, that these two teams were at least in pretty advanced talks that their 2024 season will be under the same umbrella. And... One of the stipulations to that is that both leagues are they're trying to make it, they're trying to save money, and so they're talking about merging down from the 16 original teams, both have eight, down to about 10 or 12 teams. Now here's my take. I would have loved to see all 16 teams, but I understand that that's really hard to do. So now it looks like they want to drop to 10 or 12, and I'm thinking, well, hold on. 16 down to 10 is brutal. That's six teams that you know are totally gone. That's almost a whole league of itself if eight is a league. Now 12 is a little more respectable. 12 we can keep you know a lot of the good teams from both leagues and then cut some of the ones that didn't really have much traction. Um and it kind of so if that's the case, you know. 
we're talking about six teams that won't make it likely if we go to 12, which is what I would I would prefer personally. Um, so who are those going to be? Uh, the, the front office sports uh, points out, here's the teams that they think might not make the roster. So it's going to be the Houston Roughnecks and Vegas Vipers. Vegas Vipers almost guarantee they're going to be gone. If they're back, you know, that's wild. Um, but Houston Roughnecks and Vegas Vipers, those are the XFL teams that are likely not going to see a return. And they also list the Houston Gamblers, New Jersey Generals, New Orleans Breakers, Philadelphia Stars, and Pittsburgh Maulers as teams that might not make the USFL's return. So, of these options, who am I thinking? I think definitely Vegas goes. And I think one of the Houston teams is going to survive. I prefer it be the Roughnecks than the Gamblers. Um... The Generals probably won't survive. I'd like to see Philadelphia survive. I'd like to see Pittsburgh survive. Um, I'm not sure if they will. I haven't listed out the teams that I think will um, totally make it. Or of the ones that I would pick, you know, of the 16, who are the 12 that I would prefer be in the league. I haven't done that. Um, maybe I could have, and that would have been a more interesting segment. I don't know. But um, I definitely want my Panthers back. And of course I want my DC Defenders back. Um, I want to see all the North Division teams from the XFL stay. That's four. Um, in a perfect world, you know, the Panthers stay. Right, let's just do this. Let's just find all the Spring League teams. Let's take a look at this. This is what I want to do. Okay. So I want DC Seattle and the Battle Hawks to stay. For sure. Like, if I had to pick three from the XFL, it would be them. Almost no question. I would also like to see um, Roughnecks. If Roughnecks and Renegades stay, and those are our, you know, that's five teams out of eight. You know, let's say if we get if we get six teams from both leagues, um, that's five of them that I think would be good. Um, Birmingham should stay. Michigan should stay. I want I want New Orleans and Philadelphia. That's four. Birmingham, Michigan, New Orleans, Philadelphia. Probably Memphis is going to stay only because Memphis is a, a hub city. Um, yeah, I'm good with those. And if I had to pick another one, I'd pick Pittsburgh. You know, that leaves, it leaves the gamblers on the short list. The generals, yeah, that's gamblers and generals who wouldn't make it. Um, and then if you had to pick another one from the XFL, I'm gonna pick Brahmas. Those are that's my six. So defenders, 
Sea Dragons, Battlehawks, Roughnecks, Renegades, Brahmas. And then I'm picking Stallions, Showboats, Panthers, Breakers, Stars, Maulers as, as the 12 teams that I would prefer to see in the new league, uh, the new spring league. Uh, and of course, of those, we can have divisions of three. Um, you know, if we did four divisions of three, I think that'd be really cool. Um, only because you can't really, like, there wouldn't be a question as to who the number one team is uh, in those. I mean, maybe there would be. I don't know how it would break down. But there'd be, like, one team, and then that would be four-game playoff. Just like it normally has been. Um, you know, we could do, like... There could be like United States Division and Extreme Division. I, I don't know about that, but you know, there could be. Oh no. Um, and then uh, we could also have, um, you know, a slightly longer season because eight to 12 teams are always slightly longer season. Everybody plays everybody and they play the home guys twice, you know, local guys twice. Um, so we got a longer season. We got. Oh, sorry, I had the mic. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, who am I pulling for? I'm pulling for. I'm still pulling for DC, and I'm still pulling for the Panthers. And I would just pull for them in in their uh, different divisions, and that would be good. Now the name. That's what. I, that's the thing I was trying to remember. Like what? What's the name of this? I heard that Fox. I think it's Fox Sports owns the rights to the name National. Um. Spring Football League, so National Spring Football League, NSFL, as the, and that's like the potential, that's been the floated new name for the USFL and the XFL. You can't really make a name out of those two, and I don't like, I think the XFL is cooler, I think the USFL makes more sense, but also just doesn't feel quite right. National, um... Spring Football League sounds a little better. It's it you know it's a good compromise I would say like like um, energy wise or interest wise between the two. If it stayed XFL, I actually wouldn't mind that. Um, I think the one thing that I, I don't want it to be USFL like I just don't think that the USFL is a very like interesting name personally. Um, not that it's bad, but it's just not as good as XFL. So I'd either like it to be XFL or I'd like it to change to National Spring League. Um, and it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting new thing. Um, it does kind of reset the, you know, standards a little bit. We're back to another football league with a new name that has to get all new marketing and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they have to save some money. It's a good idea. Hopefully, it'll help the spring football survive. Because that's what this is about, really, right? This is about spring football, minor league football surviving. That's what I'm in it for. You know, I want this to go the distance. The USFL made money last year somehow. I have no idea how, looking at the population of games. But apparently, they made money. The XFL didn't, but you never make money in your first year as a football 
organize. You just don't. You just don't make money. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, there's, it's so expensive to get a to get to get a league off the ground. You almost can't make money. Um, so that's just how that is. But I would really like to see. I'm okay with these leagues merging. I'm not upset with that. Um, I, I want to see I want to see minor league football continue. I want there to be year round sports, man. I want year round football. That would be so cool. Um, I think what they should do is keep the um, championships and stuff like that in June. So hold the playoffs and championships in June. Um, have an extended week. Ex- extend the stuff. Maybe even. I mean, maybe you have the game, 4th of July weekend or whatever, is like the the Spring League's championship, you know, first weekend in, in um, July, and then June is playoffs-ish, and then, you know, April to May, or it, could it be the end of February even? March to May is the season, you know? I'm good with that. Um that sounds awesome (laughs) you know to me that sounds awesome Uh, i really want spring football to survive i want it to thrive and i want year i want football for 11 months a year you know i'll take july off or whatever and then it's back to preseason football in um in august so yeah that's what i'm thinking (laughs) i'm thinking it goes you know from august to february is the nfl and the and college football, right? So it's mostly NFL. College football also exists in that time frame. I guess I'm I'm trying to say, um, but that's NFL. And then we can take a few weeks off in February, um, and then we can get the other leagues going, and that can take us all the way to July. Take July off, um, and even then we have like signing and camp, and there's other things coming up uh, that we can talk about on the show and things like that. Um, and then bam, we're back over for spring football in the uh, or for for fall football, regular football in the fall. I like that plan. Um, and then, of course, we do have the Call of Duty season coming up in the spring. Um, right now, you know, even that, that's kind of on a thin ice too. You know, like, are we going to have a Call of Duty league? Is it going to change? Is it going to be different but still around? Or are they going to totally have to scrap a new thing? Is it going to be a pickup league because no big organization is willing to like settle down um, and claim it as their own? Is it going to go back to MLG? Like, there's all these questions kind of going around the CDL and what that's going to look like. Now, at the end of the day, if time goes on and the only um, and the only thing we have going for us is a CDL or, or a Call of Duty league in the spring and there's no football league. That's honestly okay, but I want a football league. Man, I want, I want something else to talk about. I love football. You know, I love seeing it. I love, you know, learning players' names and things like that who, you know, want chances to make teams. Um, I like seeing guys out there playing this, this sport. You know, it's an awesome sport. So I want to see football in the spring. If it goes down to just having Call of Duty, I guess that's fine, but, you know, that's even kind of questionable and there's always there's been a cod league since cod 4 i mean it has there was a little bit of something before that but since cod 4 there's been like basically pro cod every single year so i really want that to to continue and i want spring football um these are the two things that i want 
in the spring for off season so i can continue to talk about things on the show um there's other things we could talk about but you know i haven't gotten into any other subject and i don't know if i will i mean i want to but i don't know if i will it just kind of depends it's hard to kind of stick your neck out and talk about other topics only because there's like risk there with alienating fan base and having conflict and that's not really what this show is about yet i mean maybe it turns into one day like a blood sports debate show and that happens to cover sports sometimes i don't want that of course um but i want to cover sports and i will cover other content maybe we'll see i don't know but all this segment has to say really is the xfl and usfl are in merger talks we don't know what it's going to go, how it's going to break down. But when it does break down, you know where to tune in to listen to right here on the ET Speaks podcast. Okay, let's wrap this one up. Let's call it good. And I'll see you guys next week. All right, so we are wrapping up this week, this episode of the ET Speaks podcast. But stay tuned because there is more um, sports predictions and reviews and stuff like that in the future headed your way um, on october 3rd is the next scheduled episode of the podcast where we are going to be reviewing the msu versus iowa game right now i've got these spartans to lose on my game predictions will my prediction hold up we'll find out there additionally we're talking about the um, lions and packers Will my prediction hold up there as a Lions victory? Um, we'll find out. And then additionally, the Lions and the Panthers are going to be playing the following week. We're going to be making a prediction on that one. No MSU game. MSU goes into a bye week against um, after the Iowa game. So I forgot that. I thought they were playing Rutgers for some reason. I don't know where I got that from earlier in the episode. Um, but they're playing Iowa and they're going on a bye week. We're going to be talking about the Iowa game and maybe a little bit of what's to come from the bye week and how they're going to prepare for the next big matchups down the road. So, um, yes, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Um, we have been doing really good um, in terms of you know, trying to rebuild the show and trying to make it something that you know people can enjoy and come listen to you know right now we've taken a step back this week because of the episode issues and it's a reminder that i can't be making mistakes on when i can actually do episodes i've got to put episodes out there um we are we were last week or last time i did an episode we were at 2.1 percent of the way to reaching our monetary goal for this show we are now down to two percent so there we go. We're 2% of the way there, but we can only push forward with your help. So what I'm asking is for everybody to um, share the, like this episode, share this episode uh, with your friends, with your family, for those interested in game predictions, for those interested in you know breakdowns of analysis, um, what happened during the game, yards, things like that. Just anybody who's interested in sports, just share this episode with them. Give us a chance. We are 2% of the way to where I want to be in terms of listener numbers. So um, we're working there. You know, we had a setback. Spotify changed things for us. They pushed us back. It it um, challenges me 
uh, to kind of push forward. If you want better episodes, more content, more guests, more things like that, that's how it's going to change. We need more support. Um, we are 2% of the way to our goal. So please, if you could, reach out, share this, give us a chance. Um, and, you know, I'm forever you know, thankful to my listeners and to everybody who supports the show. Additionally, if you're looking for a way to help right now, right away, um, more than just sharing the episode, the very best thing you could do is become a supporter. Supporters um, give monthly contributions to the show for a, a little bit of money. It's not very much. It's either a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month. Um, I think there's a way to shout you out in every episode too. If you have a handle or something you're supporting, it's a great way to support the show. Um, additionally, like it, it allows us to open up the opportunities for the show way beyond what we're doing right now. You know, we're on the bare bones of the show only because it's really hard to pr- produce a show without any financial support. So, if you're willing to support us, it's one dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month of your choice. A small monthly donation. If you're interested, go to podcasters.spotify.com/pod/show/et-speaks/support. That's your link. That's what you got to do um, to go become a supporter of the show. Additionally, if you're interested in hearing more, you're gonna want to know when we drop a new episode. You're gonna want to follow us on Instagram at the et at et.speaks.podcast. No the in there, just et.speaks.podcast. You can also uh, follow me on threads for updates about when episodes are coming out and all the interesting things around that. You can find me at evan.thomas.27 on threads. Additionally, and if you're looking for notifications on when we drop new content, that's going to be at um, twitter.com slash evanthomas27. No periods in there, just twitter.com slash evanthomas27. Um, I always drop the link when we do new episodes there as well if you're looking for that that's kind of the plug there i don't tweet as much as i used to um i don't tweet anything at all really Uh, maybe i could do some more updates on there we'll see but not right now um yeah that's what i've got for you thank you so much for listening please if you can share this episode um get it out there and then of course become a supporter if you really want to help the show thanks so much and i can't wait to hear from you in the next episode